Hey there, welcome to Perfectly Panicked, a wellness podcast. I'm Wendy Tamis Robbins, your host and guide, and I know that if you're listening, you are here for a reason. You're ready to start building your best life. We're going to cover all dimensions of well-being so you can become fully integrated, firing on all cylinders and stepping into the life that's waiting for you, feeling more confident, clear, and calm than ever before. I'm not a doctor, psychiatrist, or licensed clinician, so if you have a mental or physical condition that requires medical care, please seek professional help. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. It's still season two. I know I took a bit of a hiatus because life happens and sometimes tragic things come knocking on our door. And that's exactly what happened to someone on my team. So we took a break, we process, we heal, and we come back with some new energy, new branding, a new picture. I hope you like it. I'd love to hear if you do. And if you don't, you can just keep that to yourself. (laughs) Uh, But this season, I'm expanding a bit into um, all dimensions of well-being, really. We will have a special focus, of course, on mental, emotional, and spiritual, because that's really where my heart is. Um, But the others, I can't say my heart's not in physical um, or even occupational. Professional well-being is so important to me. So it's really, we're going to do all of it. And in today's episode, we're actually focused on occupational well-being. What is that? What does that mean? It's the practice of enriching our lives through our jobs and careers. It involves the development and application of skills and talents to really help us thrive in our occupations. Um, And it describes the positive psychological state that you experience when your work is actually fulfilling and meaningful. It encompasses feelings like satisfaction, happiness, and meaning in your work. So to have occupational wellness, you should choose some sort of job or career that is in line with your values, your interests, and your beliefs. Today, I am talking with international best-selling author, speaker, and coach, Bob Berg. While the principles that we discuss today are set mostly in a professional context, they are also applicable in your personal life. And you'll see that if you read Bob's incredible book called The Go-Giver. So in this conversation, Bob and I discuss what's laid out in the book as the five laws of stratospheric success. I'm not going to tell you what they are now because I want you to listen. But in all five, you'll see practical applications in the protagonist's journey one of which is actually applied to his marriage. And this book is all about the idea that the more you give, the more you have. And it's the foundation for Bob's signature model of endless referrals. We all know that building a network is super important if you're building a book of business like an attorney or an accountant or you're in sales or a broker. And even if you're not in any of those positions, building a network isn't something to only think about when you're considering a job change or maybe when you've already gotten laid off because it may just be a little too late by then. So having personal ambassadors, as Bob calls them, out in the world already willing to send you business, send you referrals, leads, recommendations, whatever it may be, is an incredible asset to be building throughout your career, throughout your life, really so that you can achieve not just some measure of success, 
but stratospheric success. The Go-Giver shares how a subtle shift in focus is not only a more uplifting and fulfilling way to conducting business, but also the most financially profitable way. For 30 years, Bob's helped companies, sales leaders, and their teams to more effectively communicate their value, sell at higher prices with less resistance, and grow their businesses based on endless referrals. Bob has regularly addressed audiences ranging in size from 50 to 16,000, sharing that platform with notables, including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including some former U.S. presidents. Although for years he was best known for his book, Endless Referrals, it's his business parable, The Go-Giver, co-authored, as I said before, with John David Mann that captured the imagination of his readers. The Go-Giver is a Wall Street Journal and Business Week bestseller. It has sold over a million copies. And since its release, it has consistently stayed in the top 25 on Porchlight's business book bestseller list. The book's been translated into 30 different languages. It was rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of the most motivational books ever written. And it was on HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. Bob is the author of a number of other books on sales, marketing, and influence with total book sales approaching 2 million copies. So without further ado, let's start talking to Bob. Today, we're diving into the five laws of stratospheric success. And I know you're going to want to write them all down, take notes and keep these close. I've put them all in a handy checklist that you can grab right in the show notes. Click the link and download these gems for safekeeping. Before we start, you know what's coming, a question. But this is a new question. Do you love your body? Not the size or how it looks, but think about how you treat it, how you nourish it, how you care for it and talk to it. And then consider, do you love your body? If any of those questions gave you pause, let me introduce you to The Body Reboot. This is my first digital course and it's launching on January 1st. It's an eight-week self-guided transformational journey to fall back in love with your body inside and out. This is eight weeks to loving your body again, no matter the size, the shape, or the condition. I hopped on the diet train at 13 years old and I never looked back. And it was fueled by self-loathing, certainly not self-love. I've been overweight, underweight. I've struggled with disordered eating and drinking. I've used food and alcohol to numb uncomfortable emotions. And now after decades of working with therapists, coaches, renowned nutritionists, trainers, and healers, and a lot of trial and error, I'm sharing everything that I've learned with you. So whatever your goal may be, weight loss, more hydration and movement, better nutrition, understanding gut health, drinking less alcohol, having less anxiety, or understanding cleaner beauty, this is the course for you. This is where you turn self-loathing into self-love and replace destructive behaviors and bad habits with constructive ones that move the needle and help you reclaim the body that you may have disassociated with a long time ago. This is where you reconnect with it on a deep level 
And this is a relationship that will last you a lifetime and one that will serve you every single day. Presale starts on Black Friday. So click the link in the show notes to grab your spot with special pricing. Hi, Bob. Hi, Wendy. So great to be with you and with all of you. Yeah, it's great to see you again. Um, I've been a fan of you and this book for a few years now when I was first introduced to it. I reread it again this morning. So I think that's a huge plug that it is such a beautiful like golden nugget of wisdom that you can get through this book in our busy lives like so quickly. It's not this huge mountain to climb, but it packs such an impactful punch. It is just it's like a, I mean, you call it a parable, right? I mean, that's sort of the way that it's written. Yeah, it, is. Yeah, it, is. it yeah. reminds me of reading like something in the Bible, actually. I mean, I guess that's, uh-huh. Thank that's you. the that's point. A nice of co- that's a nice compliment. I had a uh, wonderful co-author, John David Mann, who was really the lead storyteller. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm much more of a how-to guy. You can tell that by me by speaking with me for about a minute. Uh, <laughs> so John is the uh, person who really, really made it sing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to, um, carve him out of the oh no no and i wasn't i thinking did that. forget I just, wanted to, I just wanted to make sure i didn't take credit for you All know the credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely so we're going to dive into the five laws of stratospheric success that is the basis of the book the go-giver which is an international bestseller sold over a million copies and that is probably a very old statistic so um i'd be interested to hear too how many times it was actually read because if it's like 2 million people bought it and each one probably read it already, but four times, right? So that would be interesting. <laughs> Thank you. But so this book is all about uh, the main character is Joe. And Joe has just, he's in fear of missing his third quarter sales um, you know, requirements. Um, so Joe sort of goes on this week-long journey of trying to find somebody with clout and leverage, quote unquote. And he's really sort of reoriented pretty quickly uh, when he meets Pindar, the chairman, quote unquote, and Pindar takes him through these five laws of stratospheric success. So the first one is called the law of value. And this is really where he does get reoriented, I feel like, because Joe's sort of facing in the, I need to receive, I need to get, I need more camp versus Pindar sort of turns him in the direction of value and where value is really created, which is in service. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, this isn't really where the income comes in, but you talk about it's where potential income comes in. So how does adding more value create more potential income? Yeah, that's a great question. And like anything, it always begins with a premise. And the, uh, yeah, I'd say the premise of the go-giver is simply understanding that shifting your focus, which is what you were alluding to a moment ago, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this uh, context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more fulfilling way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. Uh, and not for some way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical kind of reasons. Not at all. It's actually very uh, rational. Uh, it's very logical. When you're that person who can move your focus off yourself, 
and place it on serving others, discovering their needs, their wants, their desires, helping to solve their challenges and problems, helping move them closer to happiness. People feel not only good about you, people feel great about you. They want to get to know you. They uh, they like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you. They want to tell the world about you. They want to be your personal walking ambassador. So we begin from there and we say, okay, how does that begin? Well, it begins with that focus on others. And that is where the law of value comes in, which says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear that, it's a little counterintuitive sounding, okay, right? Get, uh, yeah, get, give more in value than I take in payment. I, it sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. How am I supposed to survive? Never mind thrive if I'm giving more in value than I'm receiving in payment. And so first we have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you make a very healthy profit. And a very easy example I like to use is, is when you hire an accountant to do your taxes and uh, she charges you, a, a let's say, $1,000. That's her, her fee, literally her price, $1,000. But what value is she exchanging? Well, through her years of hard work and discipline and, and, and studying and getting to know you and understanding what you're looking to accomplish, getting familiar with your business processes, she's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, she saves you countless hours of time, and she provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So she's, act, she's given you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. She gave you more in value than she took in payment. So you feel great about it because obviously you received a lot more than what you paid for in terms of value and price. And she made a very healthy profit, which she should. But here's the important part. This happened only because her focus was not on her fee. Her focus was on the exceptional value she was providing you. This is why John David Mann and I say that, that money is simply an echo of value. It's mm -hmm. the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, meaning that the focus, as you talked about earlier, the focus must be on the value you're providing. The money you receive is simply a natural result of that, of that value. Mm -hmm. And one of the first times we spoke, this was one of the places where it made it okay for me to like look over my shoulder when I was thinking about the value that I was providing in a moment, I was thinking only about that hour, say that hour of right. content or that in you, I remember you telling me, no, you have to look at the years of experience you're bringing, the years of education you're bringing, like all of that is part of the value that you're adding as well which mm -hmm. I thought was really, sure. you know, something I had never really, it was an expanded view of the value I was giving, never mind the value that they were getting. 
Well, it, but it all, yeah, and it all has to do with, remember, it's it's not just that all that experience that you have and the time you've put into it, it's how it results mm -hmm. in adding to that person's life. Right. And that's right. the key. And that's why we discount ourselves so often. We sell ourselves short because we're thinking just, okay, well, you know, yeah, I did that, but anybody can do this. Or, you know, this is what, well, but it's not true. Right. Because we all have those various, those what we call elements of value that add so much more to that person's experience. It's the the excellence we bring. It's the the consistency, the attention, the empathy, the appreciation. It's it's everything from the mo moment that we meet that person through the the follow up and the follow through and the relationship building process, the sales process, the referral process. It's every single thing we do, every touch point. If you will, that, that adds that, that superior value. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, this will come up in a few minutes, but authenticity, right. That's, that's one of the next laws, but we won't get there yet. Um, so the second law is the law of compensation. The law of compensation is your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So this is where the price comes in, right. But it's all about impact. So I think it's really interesting where in the book they talk about this is why CEOs or movie stars or professional athletes are getting paid astronomical amounts of money, right? It's like what the value they're giving to one human times the influence right. that they're actually having. They so if exactly. you're filling a room of hundreds, how much are you charging based on the value times that multiplier? Right. And this is, you know, this is what what Nicole Martin, uh, the CEO in the story, explained to Joe, who was the protege. And that is, you know, the value is where it starts. Right. And that's, of course, the foundation, the value you provide. But that only represents your potential income. Your actual income has to do with how many lives you impact with that value. So, you know, you take our accountant in the first example, she did a wonderful job of giving you significantly more in value than she took in payment, right? So you feel great about her. Uh, you would probably use her again, and you would most likely refer her to others. Well, her other clients feel the same way about her. So our accountant is very quickly amassing that army of personal walking ambassadors singing her praises, her referrals and quality introductions are increasing all the time, right? She may decide that she's got so much work, she now has to scale by hiring some other accountants to work with her, is that right? So, so she's impacting now the lives of many more people, so her income is growing and growing. We could say that exceptional value, law number one, plus significant reach, law number two, equals high compensation. Yeah. And one of the beautiful lines, I think, in this, especially resonating uh, with my community and listeners would be, she says, Nicole, whoever said being anxious gets more accomplished. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> huh. That um, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, I think we've all been through that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I love I love Nicole's I won't give it up what she does for a living. But I love when he walks into that room and sees all the adults playing um, yeah. as if they're kindergartners. Um, law number three, the law of influence. So your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. So here we talk 
well, we can talk, but you talk in the book about the win-win situation. And I know that in so some negotiations that I do, I think about the win-win so that I feel like both parties are coming away feeling like they've gotten something out of this, not necessarily a compromise, but maybe a collaboration, right? Yeah. Yes. However, the book says not so much. That's really where we're keeping score and that it's not good to keep score and that we, we should be really yeah. thinking about them winning 100% of the time. Well, so, okay. So let's, yeah, but that, so yeah. out of con, yeah. So within the context of the book, which we, you and I have both, well, both know, it, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Uh, outside that, that would probably sound really uh, off the wall. So let's, so let's go through that a little bit and, and, okay. and discuss it. So, so yes, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. So, so first, let me clarify something, if I may, because I think this is really important. Yeah. When we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It simply is Joe, the protege, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business, of sales, what have you, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to that other focus, looking to, as Sam said, make their win make your win, excuse me, all about the other person's win, okay? But now that, but again, nothing about that says that you should be doing anything that harms yourself. Um, we're, we're looking for that other person's win because in remember, nobody's going to do something. Nobody's going to take an action just because we want them to. Okay. Yeah, you know, if if I always say when I speak at sales conferences, I often say, you know, nobody's gonna buy from you because you have a quota to meet. <laughs> right. They're not gonna buy from you because you need the money. They're not gonna buy from you just because they're a nice person, because you're a nice person. They're gonna buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. It's the same in a negotiation. They're going to agree to certain terms because they believe it's in their best interest to do so. Right. You're going to agree to certain terms because you believe it's in your best interest to do so. That's where, again, we 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 like to focus on collaboration as opposed to compromise, because with compromise, you're both giving something up, whereas with collaboration, you're both actually advancing and having more than what you had in the first place. Is that always possible? No, but it usually is. And, and if, if you know, and so so when we say, you know, don't keep score. Exactly. Because if you're focusing on keeping score, that other person's sensing that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a, a push situation instead of pull. A great influencer does not try to push their will on others. A great influencer gently pulls, mm -hmm. right? How do they do that? Well, they do that through focusing on providing benefit to that other person a great negotiator who always does plenty of research before they actually come to the table they know what it is or and if they don't they're going to ask the questions which will determine what that person needs wants and desires what they can't live without okay uh 
how we can, you know, reframe a situation so that it's going to be so that they're going to see that it's more beneficial to them to accept than not to accept. But it's always got to be in such a way that both parties advance in the process. Now, the, the very best way is if both sides, if you will, are thinking 100% rather than 50-50. If both are focusing on the on on helping the other person, because then, I mean, that's a perfect collaboration. But that doesn't always happen. It often does not because the other person doesn't know this stuff necessarily, right? But you can still do that. You can still do that. And again, this in no way means you're going to allow yourself to be taken advantage of. It just means you're always going to present yourself and your solutions in a way that they're going to see it as a benefit to them. Okay. That's your focus. By the same token, of course, you're going to advance yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love as part of that too, when you talk about um, attraction, like what makes people attractive or magnetic so that people do want to do things for them, even if they don't know why, right? Maybe they didn't sure. come to the table with that 100% mentality. It's right. because they see you giving that 100%, exactly. right? That's where that attraction to give back comes exactly. from. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I love right. that. And I love the personal story in here where, you know, Joe, for people who haven't read the book yet, Joe has to go home every day and put these principles, these laws into, into effect in his own life or like sort of the journey ends. That's sort of the condition. And he does this one at home with his wife. And I think it's a really beautiful, vulnerable moment in this book, sort of about halfway through that I think is really touching. Um, Okay, so the law of authenticity is the fourth law. And we touched on this a little bit earlier, talking about um, the most valuable gift you can ever offer is yourself. And this is, again, illustrated in a beautiful way where Deborah Davenport uh, talks about um, one of the gifts she received for one of her birthdays. I think it was like her 42nd birthday where her husband walks out the door and never comes back and leaves her as um, a single mom and her journey after that and how she actually actualizes that gift. Um, and I think what I was thinking of when I read this this morning was there's so much conversation these days about showing up in the workplace fully human. And if you feel that psychological safety to do so within your organization. And I feel like when we talk about bringing your true self, being fully authentic, because a lot of this book is about professional, but as I just noted, sometimes they're talking, this is can be in your personal life as well. It's every part of your life. But when we look at the professional world, how do you bring that authenticity? And do you, do, without feeling like you're maybe going too far, or do you uh, feel like there's like a, a, a boundary that you should still sort of protect yourself in some way? Um, I, I don't think it's a matter of protecting yourself although that's certainly very important if you, you certainly don't want to do something that puts you you in a purposely in a position of you know of uh uh that's that's disadvantageous if you will but i i don't think it's so much that but let's but let's go through it because you bring up such a valid point first you know what what she what what deborah really shared was that all the skills in the world right the sales skills technical skills even people skills as important as they are and they all are very important. She says they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, however, 
um, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. And why wouldn't they? They know exactly who they're getting. And this kind of consistency is a uh, is an element of human nature. We crave it. We want to know, we want to make sense of our world. Uh, this in a world that often doesn't make sense. So when someone shows up that same consistent, authentic way, wow, that's just, it's just powerful. Now, I think though that, that the term authenticity has almost become so overused now. And, uh, and, and I think it's almost been taken to a, in a logical point. So in other words, and, and here's what I mean, uh, and then I'll, I'll share my thoughts on it, if I may, that authenticity has almost come to mean no boundaries whatsoever. Just say and do whatever you want, because, well, that's authentic. And that's the highest value you can have. Anything else, it doesn't matter if you, as long as you're authentic. And I respectfully disagree with that. This would be like the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. That's baloney. Uh, I believe that's malarkey. It, I believe that simply means that person has an authentic problem <laughs> that that pro person needs to authentically work on in order to become a better, higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I never you know, want people to confuse authenticity with not growing, not trying to better oneself. Now, I think sometimes also the term authenticity gets gets transposed, if you will, with um uh okay, tr with transparency. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, transparency is pretty much letting everybody see everything about you. Right. And and that's part of vulnerability. And, and it is, by the way, that that part's good. That's fine. And it's often very appropriate to be transparent. But not always. There's a limit to that transparency. Um, for example, uh, and, and let's put this in the sales context, if we, we may, as entrepreneurs, uh, we have a, a customer or a client who we work with. And this person is someone who they're a nice person, uh, but they're not a touchy feely type of person. They don't really want, you know, when they meet you at a, at a meeting, you know, it's hi, how are you? Fine. Thank you. How are you? Fine. And then get down to business. That's just how they are. And we need to respect that because we need to work with people the way they want to be worked with. Right. And, and that is now you wake up that morning and you must have slept wrong because your neck is really hurting and it's going all the way down your back and oh, you feel miserable and you just rather not even meet with this person, but you have to. And, and you go into this meeting and the person says, oh, hi, how are you? Well, if you're being totally transparent, you have to say, oh, I got to tell you, my neck is just killing me. I am hurting. I don't even want to be meeting with you right now. You, you know, right. That's transparent. But I don't think that's necessarily authentic because your authentic core is that you treat people the way they want to be treated, that you respect your clients and customers and work with them the way they want to be worked with. So in this case, authentically, you can say, fine, thanks. Uh, how are you? And then you get down to work. Now, later on, 
you go to your chiropractor and she says, how are you? Well, now it's totally authentic to be transparent and say, oh man, my neck is absolutely killing, right? There's a time and place mm-hmm. for everything. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I think authentic, let, let me define authenticity for you, if I may, because I, uh, you know, I try to keep things very simple, right? And, and, and I define authenticity simply as acting congruently with your values. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It doesn't mean you say whatever you want to say. It doesn't mean you insult people because you don't like them or you, you know, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is that these days is supposed to be authentic, Right. It means you stay congruent with your highest values. Mm, I love that. That's a great definition. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. The last law, the law of receptivity. This is what the law that everybody's waiting for in this book, right? Like, when do I get mine? (laughs) Finally, bring it full circle. (laughs) But I think it's, it really rings true for me. And I think for so many um, people listening where, are we open to receiving? We want to get so badly, but what does that really look like? And I love the examples that you use in the book around breathing in and out or your heart, you know, contracting or relaxing. Like you, one is more beneficial, but cannot exist without the other. Like that it's insane to think that you can give and not receive. Yeah. You know, I mean, we'd say exactly, you know, if you take your example that you just expertly said about breathing out and breathing in, it's it's not one or the other, right? You've got to do both. You breathe out carbon dioxide, you breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving, you breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, though that is really what the world around us, that's a very big message from the world around us. In fact, I would say this, The world gives us constant anti-prosperity messages on an ongoing basis, okay? Um, But despite that, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem, okay? Um, Now, what we know is that the giving must come first, the giving of value. Uh, Now, this is... This is universal law, right? These are laws of nature, uh, you know, uh, uh, economic nature, human nature, physical nature, right? We 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 uh, plant before we harvest, we sow before we reap, we give before we receive. However, once we do that giving and we provide value, law one, to the lives of many people, placing their interests first, knowing that's why they're going to take action, and coming from our true authentic core, now we've created what John and I call that benevolent context for your success, right? And when that comes, you've got to allow yourself. It's just a matter of allowing yourself to receive, to receive with gratitude and get past those old, uh, you know, those those old recordings, if you will, <laughs> in the mind that either say you're not worthy or that, oh, if you, you know, if you're making a lot of money, you must have done something wrong, you know, or stepped on someone's toe. You know, all those things you see in the movies and on TV and on social media and from the politicians and, and all those things. No, um, uh, receiving is fantastic when you've earned the right to do so through the value you've provided to other people. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I was brought up to think you're either doing good or you're getting rich, you know, like an old Catholic sort of dogma. 
Um, <laughs> but also to your point, um, and this is the last thing I'll say before we get on to just sharing your platform um, to wrap up this time, but um, the world does send us all of that messaging around lack. And mm. I was, I, I felt it yesterday. I was panicking a little bit at one point and I realized I inhaled three times in a row. And it's almost like that's what the world is telling us to do. Just take and take and take because you never, you know, you just, you can't be comfortable. You can't ever feel comfortable enough to let go. You know, that's sort of like a trust fall when you exhale, trusting that there'll be another inhale at the bottom of it, like that you will be able to, there'll be something to receive, even though you've completely given everything that you have in a way. Yeah. I don't know. I just see a, a kind of cool metaphor there. You know, I, I'm a big believer that because of all the negative messaging we get about abundance, prosperity, money, business, I really believe we need to make an ongoing study of prosperity. And I suggest people tune into the podcasts of people like Randy Gage and, you know, David Nagel, uh, David Nagel's book, um, uh, the Millionaire Within is a wonderful book. Uh, people like Sharon Lecter and people like Ellen Rogan of, of Chicago, uh, people like Ken Honda. But Ellen Rogan out of Chicago, she was a financial advisor who specialized in, in helping women, uh, you know, grow their nest egg and so forth. And most of what she talked about was, you know, of course, the mental game. She just wrote a wonderful new book, a fantastic one uh, called Messages from Money. And it is just, just brilliant. And it's a, a whole brilliant reframe, um, you know, when it comes to money. And I wish I, I, um, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I, I apologize about it. Usually, you know, when I reach for a book, it's, uh, um, it, it's right there and it just didn't happen that time. So <laughs> sorry about that. No, totally fine. Um, just saying her name and the title is, is totally fine. Um, so Thank you so much. We are at the end of our time. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about, I mean, I get your daily emails. I love them. You know, I respond to them sometimes when they really strike a chord. <laughs> um, and you have your other two books. Do you just want to talk about where people can find you and what other, um, you know, you talk about your community for a minute and whether, what other offerings you have? Sure. The, uh, the best place to go is just Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And uh, there, there will be hopefully a little pop-up after about 10 seconds that shows how they can um, they can subscribe to the Daily Impact, which I put out five uh, five mornings a week. Uh, we also have the um, Go-Giver Success Alliance, which is an online mentorship group, mentorship community. Uh, and then we have uh, about once a month now in here in Jupiter, Florida, we have a uh, what we call the Go-Giver Beyond the Mastermind Retreat, which is just eight people, plus my business partner, Kathy, and me, and two of our certified Go-Giver coaches. And that's a two days of just really intense going into people's businesses and showing sharing how to take it to that next level of success. So we try to have fun. <laughs> I'm sure. How's the weather down there? Sunny and warm. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm so glad and I'm so delighted and honored to have you in my space. Thank you so much Likewise. for your generosity and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate, review, and follow this podcast 
because it all helps to expose the show to listeners in need of support who are looking for a safe place to talk about mental health, all of which helps to end the stigma surrounding it. And remember, you are not alone, and we're all in this together.